Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. And welcome to your Monday, March 30th edition of Flyers Daily on yours truly's 48th birthday. Uh, I know you got me beat, Bill, but uh, we're getting older, but we don't. We look good, though. And that's all that matters. I, 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 you know what? I totally agree with you. 100%. <laughs> you know, people complain about their age, and I always go, like, dude, there's some people that didn't even make it to that age, so you can't complain about it. I, I, I feel good about it. I feel good. I feel really good when hockey's back. Uh, but this is your Monday, March 30th edition of Flyers Daily, and that is Bill Meltzer joining us for this episode. Player profiles continued last week. Of course, we did Scott Lawton, Justin Braun, and Nicholas Albay-Kubel. This week, we've got Travis Sandheim in this episode. Bill, one of my favorite days, Carter Hart will be the subject of Wednesday's uh, player profile. And no, that is not an April Fool's joke. You know, I'll be excited about that. And Friday, uh, we'll do Matt Niskin in player profiles. We'll continue. Also tomorrow, like you, Bill, I will have an availability. Uh, you for written content on the website and me for Flyers Daily to speak with Chuck Fletcher. And I'm dying to speak to the general manager. Yeah, that's going to be, uh, you know, really interesting. Chuck, um, you know, Chuck is always, always a great source and, and tells you, you know, straightforward as much as he, he can tell you in, in the chair that he's in. And, you know, there, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things to touch upon. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to kind of hear, you know, what the chatter is amongst GMs as far as he can, is going to be able to let us know. And as, as far as what he does know, the knowns and the unknowns, um, I'm going to get to the, and I'm going to get your thoughts on the three signings this week, just because the uh, league is in a pause doesn't mean that Chuck Fletcher has been sitting around and, you know, helping his kids with math homework like I'm trying to do. Uh, he's getting business done, and he signed three of his players. We'll get to that in a moment, though. But I want to hit you on a couple of things uh, over the past uh, couple of days that I had uh, heard. And uh, I heard Elliot Friedman. Friedman was on uh, NHL Network Radio last Thursday uh, with Gord Stellick and Scott Lachlan. And talking about this playoff field and the HRR and how much money players could not get in return this year based on what they, they put into escrow if regular season and playoffs don't happen and you know, the fact that, you know, they, the building availabilities are now being discussed all the way through August and perhaps into September. Um, he talking about that. But then I heard also heard Brian Burke talking about uh, if they do play the playoffs that late in the, in the season, that in, and if the salary cap were to go down and they consider compliance buyouts or anything like that, that a new CBA has to be a part of the equation. Now, Bill, the CBA and labor peace is something the NFL just got for a decade. The NHL is coming up on it once again with a new team coming into the league and a new TV contract. Is it incumbent that they get a new CBA deal done, perhaps in this downtime right now? I think it. Yeah, I think it's very important. You know, and um, you know, I of course, of course, there's always so much wrangling between the NHLPA and the league. I mean, it, it's in any CBA negotiation, but it's. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, I think some kind of long-term labor piece is is absolutely critical moving forwards. Um, and I, uh, you know, I, I think I think now is as good a time of any as any to uh, you know to tackle it. And, and of course, you know, Elliot is so plugged in anyway. I'm I'm sure that uh, you know, I, I, yeah. I, I mean, I would not be surprised if if it comes up in discussion as to okay, how do we how do we move forward from here? Um, you know, will, would there be a compliance buyout? And and also thinking short term as well as, as well as long term here, because you know it, it's something where um, I mean we're we're in an unprecedented time here, and nobody considered okay if there if there is a situation where you have something like this that's 
a stoppage that's not CBA related, how do you proceed? If there's some kind of, if there's something that's kind of written in that way, and also, and also just the bottom, you know, also the bottom line of dollars and cents as to, uh, you know, how much, you know, I know the escrow issue is big with the players, uh, you know, the, the league always going to going to want their cost certainty, but, it, but I think that it's, I think that it's necessary looking ahead to, uh, you know, how things, how, how things are going to be handled going forward. And, and even, even honestly, Jason, before all of this, I mean, when you look at, when you look at, for example, at how Toronto managed their cap this season, which was essentially to acquire just about every player they could, they, they could, who was a long-term injured reserve to get that allowance because they, I, you know, I can't, they were they were because of their because of their four forwards that take up so much of their cap. They had to they had to get all of this long term injured reserve space to get the allowance to go over by the amount they needed just to just to ice a team, you know. And that's uh, that's obviously something that uh, you know needs to be addressed as well, and among many 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 other issues. So I would not be surprised if that's uh, something that's on the table here as they they look they look ahead towards you know beyond whenever the season ends. Yeah, I mean, and if they were to lose the remainder of this regular season, and you and I are of the belief that they probably won't, and they're going to do everything they can, certainly not to. But I wonder what in that CBA, what the force majeure um, says as far as that contract goes. Now, for those that aren't aware, maybe you've never signed a personal services agreement, a force majeure, it's a clause in a contract that, that is, removes liability for natural or unavoidable catastrophes that interrupt the course of that contract. Now, we don't know the force majeure in the CBA could state that the players take it on the chin. I don't know how, you know, at that time when they were negotiating for such important things that they, you know, force majeure was something that they really dug into but, or if it was just kind of buried. I don't know, Bill, but it's an interesting thing. And that's something that a new CBA could address that and they could take it on the chin equally as they do with uh, uh with the profits and hockey related revenue we'll see I, I never thought i'd be talking about force majeure on a uh a flyers daily podcast but that's where we are right now because this was completely unforeseen with this pandemic yeah. um uh, as far as you know a new team coming into the league and, and gary bettman's always done pretty well when it comes to tv deals um do you expect you know if they were not to get this season in would it affect that marketability of a tv deal uh, you know, it, it, it does just because, you know, if you, if you miss another postseason here and it's, I mean, I, I think, I think in the long term, and, and that is really, you know, the big picture here is, is still the long term. I mean, they'll, they'll get their TV deal and, and, and whatnot, but I mean, you know, the, if there is a benefit to all of this from a, from that standpoint, there'd be a window of time there. If the playoffs said it looks like it would, you know, have to be like a, a, a later summer thing. There'd be a window of time there without an Olympics this year, where all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there's, there's a window where, you know, they they'd have a spotlight on them, and it could actually be beneficial. If you don't have it, you know, then then it's another long absence of the game. You're coming back whenever, you know, whenever it's feasible to do so. And I mean, I I do think that I do think the dollars and cents it has to be affected, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I would. You know, I think you got to look at everything, and I think it absolutely has to play a factor. Although, if you know, if you're doing a 10-year TV deal. You know, this could be so far in the rearview mirror, but, you know, it's that, uh, for lack of a better term, maybe recency bias that something was interrupted, or at least that part of that contract would have some sort of language regarding force majeure on the TV end of it as well, I would imagine. I mean, there's no way, I guess, to avoid it at this point, since it is 
you know, you, you look at a pandemic, you go, well, the last time something to this level happened, it was 1918 to 1920 with the Spanish flu. And now we're dealing with this a hundred years later. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, it's, it's nothing that, you know, something that could have been anticipated, as you said, I mean, here we are talking about it, but I, I, I do think that in a long-term deal, you know, maybe, maybe some of the upfront piece of it, but if it is actually a long-term 10 year kind of thing, I, I do think that it, that mitigates it to a large degree, but you know, who knows? I mean, those, those, uh, those negotiations are always, you know, it, it always ends up being, um, that the final numbers always surprise people. So, you know, I, I think that it's a, uh, you know, it is a long-term commitment, but I do think, I do think in the short term, it has to, it has to affect what they get up front and, and it'll certainly, it'll certainly affect whatever, however, however it's structured. So, you know, there, that's just, uh, just so many other things there. And, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it's really, I mean, this, this isn't what anybody wants to be talking about right now, right? This, we, we want to be talking about the, I mean, the Flyers would have played the Penguins today, looking at the last couple games of the regular season. I mean, that's what everybody wants to be talking about. Uh, you know, personally, I can't wait till whatever time it is we are talking about it again. But, you know, but but it it's certainly certainly with the pandemic and, and, and the uncertainty of when they can begin again and when next season would begin and, you know, all the all the ramifications in there. I mean, you know, everything kind of follows from there. And I think the TV piece of piece would be something as well. Yeah, no, no question about it, Bill. The other thing is, is that when you look at the situation right now, um, you know, it, it's going to be a while longer before players get the clearance to even can congregate as a team. Um, we don't know exactly how long this is all going to go on, so it's, it's a huge question mark. Uh, but that being said, Chuck Fletcher was rather busy over the past week. Um, there was a lot, of, a lot of conjecture about some of these collegiate players they had, uh, in particular talking about Tanner Lasinski and obviously Wade Allison. Both finished their college, collegiate seasons. Uh, Tanner Lasinski uh, at Ohio State and Wade Allison at Western Michigan. Uh, both players signed, and the Flyers also signed Wyatt Wiley, who had a tremendous year playing for Everett. Uh, let's go through them individually. Let's start with Tanner. He was the first one to sign at Ohio State, finished his four-year commitment there. Was hoping to be maybe a Hobie Baker finalist for this year. It didn't work out that way for him, but still a really good player, probably the best player on the Buckeye team. Uh, what do you think of the signing, and, and what's his uh, upside looking like for uh, for the Flyers in future years, maybe even as soon as next year at a training camp. Yeah, he, he's the guy who I think has a chance to play in the NHL relatively soon. Um, big body, um, you know, physically mature, plays plays a a uh, solid 200 foot game. He's been a scorer at the collegiate level. Um, I think his pro role would be more of a bottom six forward, but really, uh, really just a uh, a useful guy that you can plug in different spots. He can play wing. He can play center. Um, this year he played a lot of center. He centered the top line on the Buckeyes. Um, other years he's played more wing than center. Uh, you know, but if you go back to when when he made the uh, U.S. World Junior Championship team, which was a gold medal winning team, he beat out some much higher draft picks. I think Tanner was a sixth round pick, and he beat out he beat even a couple guys that were a first round pick. And you know, he was a guy who was used to playing in scoring roles, but he goes plays on the World Junior team. He played in the fourth line, killed penalties. He showed he could do that. Um, I, I think that would be a little closer to what his role at, at the pro level would be. You know, I think you could look at a, a guy just as a rough comparison, maybe like a, a Pitlick type. Um, Pitlick, I think, has better straight-ahead speed than Lashinsky. But, but just in terms of his all-around game, um, gives you a good, solid effort every game. You know, you know, we're, you know what you're going to get. For, wins a lot of puck battles. 
you know, has decent hand that he's never going to be a prolific scorer as the pro uh, at the pro level, but uh, yeah, but a, but a nice useful player um, who I think could be NHL ready, you know, very soon. Yeah, round, it was a six-round draft pick, 169 overall. I had a chance to speak with him last week. We'll feature that on an upcoming episode this week of Flyers Daily. Really good kid and uh, really mature as well. Uh, spent a few years, uh, four years actually in total in the uh, USHL as well. Averaged over a point per game in college playing for Ohio State. Let's go to the other collegiate player. Let's go to Wade Allison, who, uh, of course, just finished up at Western Michigan. What do you see in Wade Allison? This was a guy a lot of people really thought, though, Bill, was going to be a guy that maybe would wait till August 15th and maybe uh, shop his, uh, his, uh, his skills elsewhere. Not the case. Chuck Fletcher gets the deal done. Yeah, and I, I really – I didn't expect Allison to go elsewhere. Now, mind you, you know, I mean, players always – you know, they, they never say 100% I'm signing somewhere, but, but Allison has said really for the last couple of years, you know, he really likes the Flyers organization. Um, you know, he, he – was thrilled to be drafted by the Flyers. Plays a very, you know, traditional Flyers kind of game anyway. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I really Lashinsky. Maybe it was only because uh, Tanner wasn't at the last two development camps. One year because of injury. One year because uh, he was taking a college class. And NCAA rules are that if you're enrolled in any classes at all, you can't attend any kind of, you know, professional camp, even if you pay your own way. But just just his absence at camp for two straight years. Said, okay, well maybe maybe he's a guy who would end up somewhere else. Uh, Wade has kind of said all along, you know, he would he would love to come here if every if everything worked out that way. So I, I wasn't shocked that you know that he was signed. Um, also, also something else with Wade is that you know he missed a lot of time with injuries. Um, I, I, I you know I, I know a couple of years ago the Flyers were optimistic. This is this is about halfway through his sophomore year. They were optimistic of signing him at the end of that year, and he was among the leading scorers, goal scorers nationwide. He was really coming into his own, and then he tore his ACL, which was it took him about 18 months to recover from fully um, that, you know, he did play, uh, did play in his, his junior year, but really was not very effective. He was still recovering. And then he had some shoulder issues this year. So, you know, he's, he's missed as many games as, as he's played over the last three years. So this is really his only full season was his freshman year. Um, but, but when he's played and particularly the second half of this, this season, he had a five game goal streak, I think a seven game point streak. He was, he was very effective. Uh, I think Flyers fans are going to love Wade Allison. Um, you know, I I would liken his game a little bit to a Wayne Simmons type of a player. Um, just very gritty. You know, you know, you know what you get from every game. He will battle you for space. Um, he will get to the net. He'll score goals. Uh, one thing he actually has, you know, maybe even more so than, than Simmons, is that Allison has a really heavy shot. That was the number one thing people always talked about back when he was drafted in the second round in 2016. Um, was just that he had, he had a really heavy shot. And, I mean, he, he still has that at top speed. He's a pretty good skater. Takes him, you know, a stride or two. He's not a guy who's necessarily explosive off the blocks. But, but at top speed, he's, he's a decent skater. Um, and I said, you know, win, wins a lot of battles down low and can put the puck in the net too. Um, has a good one-timer when, when you can set him up for one. And, um, yeah, I mean, that that's a player who I who you look to for, for some goal scoring. He's a guy I think might fit in uh, – you know, a second or bottom, you know, third line role, maybe to start, work him up. Um, and and he may need a little time with the Phantoms just because of how much collegiate hockey he missed over a couple of years. But that's another guy I think has a, has a shot of playing in the NHL relatively soon. 
Yeah, and uh, he's a guy that they're going to have. Like you said, he's going to bang a little bit too. Fans will like that kind of player. Uh, And the third player, uh, not a collegiate player, but played for the Everett uh, Silver Tips and, of course, played with Carter Hart there as well, is Wyatt Wiley. Uh, The defenseman was taken in the fifth round in the 2018 entry draft, 127th overall. And when you look at his numbers that he put up year in and year out forever, I mean, they got better every year. And this year in 62 games, 64 points, 14 goals, 50 assists. Uh, as a blue liner, um, he's got some offensive game, and uh, he looks like he could pan out to be a real good player if he continues on that development curve as well. Yeah, a um, little bit of an overager effect with his points this year. Um, and in, in talking with Brent Flair, I mean, they, they see any points he puts up as a pro as being you know, gravy because they don't anticipate him being a power play guy as a pro. Um, but he's a good, solid two-way player, uh, very solid in the penalty kill, uh, blocks a lot of shots. May, one area he's really improved, um, and you know, he played with Carter Hart uh, a couple of years ago and really stepped up in the second half of that season. He moves, he moves the puck up to the forwards much, much better than he did early in his junior career. Um, you know, he, he became a leader on that team, uh, a heart and soul type. And, you know, I could see him needing a year at least in the American Hockey League. Yeah, defensemen often take longer to develop than, you know, than forwards do. But, I mean, he, you know, he's a nice player. He, he's a guy I could also see playing in a, in a top six role in the NHL. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's going to be a big point producer as a pro. When you look at him and you look at the defensive, I guess, uh, depth that they have not in the NHL still, Bill, boy, it, it, it's almost like, and you can, I know the old saying, you can never have enough defensive prospects and enough depth defensively. But, boy, how are you going to fit all these guys? I mean, you're going to have to make some decisions this offseason, which is with Justin Braun. Uh, but, I um, mean, you, you have a lot of bodies there and a lot of guys coming. Now, they're not all coming at the same time. and You got them staggered, which is nice. But, boy, they could be in a really good situation with what they've got in-house. And not only that, to use it as currency, not necessarily Wiley, but other guys as currency as well in the offseason. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Every team is looking for a defenseman. Um, of course, the, the biggest name in the system is at least another year off, Cam York. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a guy who, you know, that's a guy who's going to absolutely play in the upper end of an NHL blue line and probably be a, a first unit power play guy as well. Um, but, you know, he's still small. He's still only 19 years old. He's got an, one more year of college at least and, you know, another world junior championships where he should play a lot more next year than he played this season. Um, so, I mean, you know, York is the biggest name of the bunch. There's uh, the second rounder from Sweden from a year ago, Autumn Yinning. Um, he'll be, I think, probably one more year in Sweden. That was undecided last time I, I talked to Brent Flair, but I, I think he'll play one more year over there and then come over here. It's nice when you can stagger the arrivals. And look, you have a guy like Mark Friedman who really, if, if there was a spot, would probably be in the NHL right now with the Flyers. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there, there are, you know, there are, just isn't a spot for him right now. That's a guy who could compete for a spot or uh, other teams certainly saw his games too. That could be a guy you, you could move somewhere and there would be interest because he, he, you know, he looks like a guy who's ready to play in the NHL. Um, and then, you know, and then there are the guys we always talk about, right? Maybe Shane Gosses bear moves this off season and you know, a spot opens for somebody else. But it, but it, you know, it is, it is really nice when you have the youth in the system coming through there. And we'll see what happens with Justin Braun. And then obviously uh, Niskin is another year away. So you can kind of, you know, you can kind of stagger when guys come in. And also as some of these younger players we're talking about start to graduate to the NHL level a year out, two years out, then all of a sudden, you know, the, the uh, 
Provorovs and the, the Sandheims and even Phil Myers. Now they have, you know, more NHL games under their belt, um, young veterans, and, and it's, not, uh, it's not necessarily as imperative to get, you know, a, another guy or two in their 30s because you have a young core that, that's all, that also has some experience by that point. But let me ask you about uh, Zamula because I was talking to Angelo Ricci when they were, the team was still playing. He's one of the development guys for the team, and he just said, Boy, he, he likes Zamula a lot, and the kid is just so smooth in the way he skates and the way he handles the puck. Played the last three years of the Calgary Hitmen, uh, played, played well for them. Uh, I know he was dealing with some injuries, and he was in town, but uh, where is Zamula right now? Uh, Zamula was outstanding, too, at the World Juniors. He was mm-hmm. uh, one of the best defensemen, led, led the whole team in ice time. Um, yeah, and, and he's, he's a guy who uh, – a little similar to Phil Myers because he was undrafted came to you know, came to rookie camp in September and ended up getting a contract out of it. And he just got better and better and better his first year. And, and this year, um, you know, right through the world juniors, unfortunately he had a, a back injury that kind of ended the season, you know, early, of course the whole CHL season had to be canceled um, because of the pandemic, but uh, he was, he was done a couple of months ahead of everybody else. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think Zamula will need just, you know, the usual, adjustment time there's no need to rush him to the nhl level but he's a guy with with size who can skate who can pass and might might even be a secondary power play guy maybe not but that that's the guy who could you know potentially play a lot of minutes for you down the road be be a top four type of defenseman in the nhl i do think that kind of upside is there with him wow. and yeah very you know an exciting prospect i mean that's the guy who you know who is you know when you when you can get a guy who's not even drafted and um you know, and the way the way he's taken off the last couple of years, yeah, he's uh, he's one of the more exciting prospects they have. Yeah, and he also shares a birthday with yours truly on the day of this episode, as a matter of fact. But was born in, and and to make us feel old, Bill, he was born in two thousand. <laughs> that's that's when you go, uh oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I felt really old. I felt really old this year when Farabee became the first player born in the two thousands to play for the Flyers. Like, whoa, yeah, you know. <laughs> Far too, uh, that was uh, not that long ago, as we say. Uh, Bill, let's get to the subject of tonight's player profile. Um, you alluded to his name a couple of times when talking about some of these uh, signees and defensemen in particular, and it's Travis Sanheim. And boy, has he developed at just a great rate the way he um, has uh, really this year and this season developed into a top four, top, uh, you know, four D man and, and that chemistry that he's had initially with Justin Braun and then. Uh, with Phil Myers and the way he covers the ice is something to marvel at because he is such a great skater and his defensive abilities and adjustment to the NHL game has been very pronounced and very good. Uh, no, absolutely. And I think we discussed it, uh, you know, right around the time uh, of the pause, there was one of the final games the Flyers played. There was, there was one particular play and you don't want to hone in too much in one play, but it was just, just a play where, you know, you, you watch, Travis make it where he was under a lot of four checking pressure and he just skated the puck to safety and Flyers ended up getting a, you know, getting a, a counter a counter attack opportunity out of it. So that's a play he wouldn't have made a couple of years ago, just the level of poise he showed, you know, t- turning on the jets to, to get to skate the puck out of danger himself and passing it up ice playing with, with the playing with a, just so much confidence right now. Um, you know, and, and he's improved in, in a lot of ways. There were, there are a lot of areas where, you know, when, when Travis was playing for the Calgary Hitmen, he had to carry the offense. It, it was him and it was another defenseman, Jake Dean. Um, 
their number one forward when when he was there was Rado Fosliev, if you remember him from the, from, wow. from the Phantoms. Yeah, you know, and so it was really two defensemen had to lead had to lead the attack. Now you get you get to the pros and you can't really do that as a defenseman. You know, unless you're Paul Coffey, right? Yeah. You, you really you really can't play that way as a pro. And so it took you know it took a year with the Phantoms. It took a lot of adjustment, a lot of uh, figuring out what works for him. And and now you're you know now you've seen things click with him. Even even things like his gap management. Uh, he's added a little bit more physicality to his game and just the confidence level. You know, with with Travis, it used to be he was fine until he'd make a mistake and then you would worry about how long it would take him to bounce back from it. You don't worry anymore. If, if Travis turns a puck over, if he gets beaten on a play, he bounces right back in the next one. And that pairing with uh, with Phil Myers, that was one of the most exciting things to see coming together, you know, in the uh, in those weeks leading up to the leading up to when the schedule stopped. Um yeah, I mean, I, I think he's become a really good two-way defenseman. I, I also think he's perfectly slotted in that second pairing, second power play role. I think that's, that's his sweet spot in the lineup. I think he's going to play, play there for a long, long time to come. He's, you know, he's on a, he's on a bridge deal, um, so Flyers don't have to worry about re-signing him immediately. If he, has, if he looks next season like the way he looked, maybe not early this season. It took him really about a month or six weeks to get going, but how he's looked since that time. You know, Travis is going to have a real nice, real long career here. Yeah, and he's, he signed that uh, two-year bridge contract uh, worth six and a half total, so three point two five of uh, cap hit, and um, he'll be the uh, an RFA once again in twenty one twenty two. And you're right; I mean that he could get a nice pay increase if he continues to develop the way he has. By the way, birthday wishes to Travis Sanheim as well because his birthday was on the 29th, which was Sunday. So you see what we're doing here? Like we're kind of bringing up guys with their birthdays for a reason, you know, during the pause. It's, it's kind of depth and knowledge we go through here. Um, Bill, a couple things with him real quick. Uh, first and foremost, you look at his plus four this season, um, playing with Phil Myers. Um, he's getting some power play opportunities. His time on the ice has increased. Um, you know, he's a guy that um, provides them, and you alluded to it, his ability to skate. But that pairing along with Phil Myers, and I tweeted it out at one point, I think it was a game against Columbus where those two, I thought it was the best game that they played together all year long. And you just saw the elite athletic ability in skating. And I said, those Sanheim and Myers cover the ice like two gazelles on skates. Just the way they move on the ice is such an advantage in a game that's so predicated on speed now. He's the perfect player for today's NHL, and he's got that long range as well. Yeah, absolutely. That That's that particular combination of size plus speed, you know, if a guy can play at all and he's a big guy who can also skate, he can have a really solid career, you know, with, uh, you talked about Myers. I mean, Myers ranginess is unbelievable. And Sandheim has that as well. Um, you know, Myers is actually even bigger than Sandheim and Sandheim's a pretty big boy. So, you know, that, that, that pairing, you have the, the left shot with the right, um, you know, Sanheim enjoys playing the left side. He's played a little bit of right D also in his NHL career when he was paired with Provorov a lot last year. Uh, Sanheim would, would play the right side, so you couldn't move him over if you had to. But uh, he, he seems to have really found his sweet spot playing on the left side with Myers. And, again, I think that could be a really exciting pairing for a long, long time. I mean, that, that to me, was one of the most positive developments over the last couple of months, that, that stretch of 26 games um, leading into when the, when the schedule broke. You know, it's um, it's why the Flyers were you know one of the best teams in the league during that period of time because they had a you know they had a bona fide legit second pair that that's uh, a threat that um, you know playing 
playing just below Provorov and Niskanen, um, they get a little easier matchup, so they're not as taxed defensively, but they, you know, still are, they still obviously see, you know, see some tough opponents as well, but just, just rising to the challenge, seeing, seeing Travis become part of the, part of the penalty kill as well, because that was a role he didn't play very much uh, early in his career, you know, and, and he's a guy who can give you 20 minutes a night and, you know, and, and he's actually, and he's also, he's also stepped up in some of the Flyers bigger games this season too. And that's, that's been something that's nice to see as well. So it's been, uh, you know, it's all, it's all positive, all, all arrows pointing up for both of those guys. And he loves playing against Sergei Bobrovsky. We've learned <laughs> what's it? Six goals against Bobrovsky the last two years. I think it is. Yeah. yeah it's, it, it's wild. He loves playing against Bobrovsky and, uh, you know, like playing against Calgary too. Old, old hitman player. He he seems mm-hmm. he seems to do well against the Flames also. Well, an old Manitoba boy, no doubt about it. Uh, yeah, Travis Sanheim has been one of the great, great stories uh, of this season. There's a lot of great stories. Um, Bill, real quick before we wrap up, let me ask you: uh, before you talk to Chuck Fletcher, uh, to, um, and before I talk to Chuck Fletcher, do you have any update on any injured players? Let's start with uh, uh, Nolan Patrick, uh, JVR, and obviously. Uh, Phil Myers, who we just alluded to. Uh, last that uh, last that I heard was that uh, both both Phil Myers and JVR were were on schedule. So uh, you know they had the had the season and played normally. Both both those guys would have been ready for you know as they were projected. Both would have been ready for the start of the playoffs, and they should be fine to go. But uh, you know I don't know if there's been any setbacks. But last last I heard, they were both coming along well. Uh, well. We'll ask Chuck that tomorrow, just just to be sure of that. And last I heard with Nolan was it was it was still status quo, you know, still uh, still not ready to be cleared to play. But that's uh, that that's as of a few weeks ago at this point. So, uh, but that that was that was my last understanding of what was going on with Nolan. He was feeling better, still not ready to be ramped up to to play. But uh, you know, hopefully he's made further progress. And so, of course, the problem being is that nobody can skate, no rinks are open. So, you know that. Uh, it does kind of put him on the same footing as everybody else, but I, I, you know, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still not sure if Nolan would be able to come back this season. I, I would hope that he'd come back this season. He expressed that he thought he would play this year. Chuck said he thought he would play this year, but uh, we'll, we'll find that out. You know, we'll find that out when we talk to Chuck. And one of the big questions, if Patrick doesn't play this year, Bill, or they do come back and whatever, they get the playoffs in. Uh, put all that aside for a second, but how, what kind of contract do you do with uh, a guy like Nolan Patrick, who's a restricted free agent? Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's, that's, that's the question, a, that's isn't it? Question. That's a great question. Especially if he, especially if he doesn't play, you know, you, you'd have to feel confident in him coming back ready to play and, and to kind of pick up where he left off. Um, you know, he's not, he's not arbitration eligible at this point. Uh, I, I, a year further out, he would be, but I, you know, it, it could be, uh, I mean, I would assume it would be some kind of a bridge deal, see if he's healthy, and then, and then you negotiate from there. And then, you know, of course, Oscar's in the same situation just in terms of being restricted this summer. And, you know, I'm certainly hoping for a, you know, certainly hoping Oscar uh, continues uh, his, his, you know, his recovery and, and all goes well with, with Oscar as well. Um, it's probably going to be a very long road if Oscar's able to play again. Hopefully he will. And that's that's another that's another bridge that has to be crossed this off season as well. And then, you know, and then you're looking after this next season as to, you know, both both guys as long as they're they're playing hockey would be guys who would protect in the expansion draft, and they would have to be protected at that point. I mean, that's uh, that's those are two huge unknowns that that will have to be figured out 
you know, mm-hmm. not just this offseason, but over you know over the next season to come. Could could you see a Nolan Patrick deal kind of looking like a two year deal like that Sanheim deal? Same range, about so. three point two five. Yeah, I, I think that, I think there's I think there would be some kind of you know mutual risk on each side, and you would you would see you know a bridge deal certainly for much less than uh, than Nolan probably would have made if he would have had a breakthrough year this year where they would have looked yeah. to go long term a little like they did a little like they did with Travis Konechny. But uh, yeah, I, I could see some kind of a, a two year deal, and then then you look at it again. Yeah, that's that's about what I was thinking as well. Well, Bill, great stuff as always. Great episode of uh, Flyers Daily. We'll look forward to reading your materials on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, also on HockeyBuzz.com, and uh, your uh, one-on-one with Chuck Fletcher, and uh, we'll bring you my one-on-one right here on Flyers Daily. Everybody, thanks for listening to a Player Profile edition, this time with Travis Sanheim. Again, Wednesday will be the Player Profile of young 21-year-old netminder Carter Hart, one of my favorite profiles to do. And then on Friday, we'll give you Matt Niskanen's as well, and we'll bring you some of those interviews. I had a chance to speak with Wyatt Wiley last week, also with Tanner Lashinsky, and uh, hoping to speak with Wade Allison as well, bringing you a lot more great content here on Flyers Daily during the NHL pause. We appreciate listening. Leave us a rating and review as well, and make sure you subscribe to Flyers Daily. Thanks for listening. Have a great time. Well, we got no choice.